Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, with me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell-West. Uh, the weather is turning to towards winter, and the residents of Hoywick can be muttering that, that they think it'd be a harsh one a-coming. At, le- at least one of my friends is doing that. He has no record for accuracy, but I thought, I thought I'd mention it. I'm still the- spending every working day outside in the gazebo, but you know, shrug... <laughs> Uh, yeah, but you actually like that temperature, Roger. Yes. Oh, well, the Reverend Roger um, has uh, some people he wishes to thank. Um, yeah, Robert Wolfe and Glenn Lewis both uh, put some money in our tip jar. Thank you very much. This does encourage us to keep doing the show. It keeps us cheerful, honestly. We won't be this cheerful if we didn't, if we didn't have your... Uh, your constant encouragement. And if you would like to donate, uh, paypal.me slash rogerbw will reach us. But first... The nice people at the Bundle of Holding, recognising the fact that we have our finger upon the pulse of role-playing kind, send us uh, advance and free copies of what they're releasing. Uh, so we can talk about them. Roger wants to make a brief mention of one of the current games. They're having a horror fest, and I don't know what they're going to drag out. They're only, t- they're only, that time of recording, there are only two more releases before Halloween, but um, they're dragging the bottom of the barrel occasionally here. Well, but Roger, some of those games are definitely horrifying, mentioning no particular ones. Yeah. Uh, but currently on is Cult, which is one of the few horror games that I have found genuinely disturbing. This may be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on your on your taste. Hmm. The, uh, the Alice in Wonderland thing uh, that was uh, popular a few years back got to some of my pun- uh, my uh, my uh, sensitive points. But what what is it about Cult that makes it? Of interest, if not necessarily good. Uh, well, it's quite an abstract system. Uh, I don't think it's explicitly narrativist, but it's definitely going in that direction. Um, it, it, it's quite a straightforward system, and you're going to fail at stuff a lot, and so you're going to need to use your eldritch talents to not fail at things, and that just <coughs> makes things worse. Uh, I've, I've heard it described as a metaphor for drug addiction. Mm, I can see that. <laughs> Now, please note, I, I'm not currently playing this. I'm not offering to run it for anybody. Um, but if I were more of an actual horror fan, as opposed to yeah. a dabbler, uh, this is definitely one I would be looking very hard at, either to run directly or to steal stuff from, because if we'll, we'll possibly come back to this later. There is a difference between horror, as in we are getting scared of stuff, and yeah. monster hunting, which is, yeah, we may be scared of stuff, but we're basically going out there to bash it. This is true. Um, if, there, if, if there is hope that monsters can be, can be slain, then there is hope. Um, I admit that my preference is more most of the time for, for the monster hunting style, but um, there, there is stuff here, and there's, there's quite a bit of the world as an illusion. Oh, Lord. Uh, oh. I, I, I've been told, though I haven't personally verified, that it gets quite Gnostic in places. 
How, speaking of Gnosticism, then, which is fairly obscure and difficult for many oh, not people. Not for our listeners, surely. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, but how hard do you think getting your head into the into the into the um, mind space of this of the game is? Um, how 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 does it start out gently with with just unpleasant things happening in Surbiton? Or does it go directly into into um, reality horror coming up and knocking on your door? Well, um, there are, there are various ways of doing that. Um, I mean, in terms of gameplay, you, standard character generation and stuff. You you can start with just here is something a bit weird, but everybody is going to start with some with some dark secrets, and maybe, maybe they've met something a bit weird before. Okay, so it's not just me. Hmm. All right. Well, the, if if you think it is of interest, then we will commend it to our towards our um, towards our listeners. There's a lot of other stuff here, some of which you might find find interesting. Um, uh, was Palladium Games one of your enthusiasms? No. No, me either. He, he said politely. <laughs> I, I did once track down a uh, Murphy's Rule. For it, but uh, that's about as close as I've got. That is the, the that is the most obsessive reason for actually reading a game that I can that I think we've come up with recently. However, if you look, if you're short, if you are short on horror materials, the bundle of holding has a lot of stuff uh, running up to uh, All Hallows, and this particular one ends on the sixth of November. Right, Roger has one other thing from the uh, bundle of holding that he wishes to enthuse about. Uh, this is called, um, where have I put it? Uh, the Arkham Gazette. The Arkham Gazette. Yes. Which is a series of, I suppose, semi-prosines. Yeah, the, this uh, kind of gets started about ten years ago uh, when Chaosium were publishing various source books for um uh, but what they broadly call Lovecraft rough country, which is a term you can't search anymore because of the TV series. But basically, uh-huh. the, the New England environment in which many of H.P. Lovecraft's stories are set. Arkham, yeah. Innsmouth, Kingsport, so on. And Brett Kramer and others felt that these are all very well, but there's more to say about Arkham, for example, than you can say in one book, and they wanted to extend it. Yeah. And these... these um, yeah, the, the the theoretical format is magazine, um, mm. are the result. So it also helps that Brett and his cohorts are the sort of people who get really picky about details. So it, it that one, <laughs> one of the things that's in here uh, is yeah, a guide on. to the various um, Lovecraft country scenarios, all the ones that they could find, and exactly which thing which places they were published in. Um, there, there's a if they're talking as in the Arkham volume about a particular graveyard, they will mention every place in Lovecraft where that particular graveyard was referenced, and oh, yeah, that that is the that is the big constraint on what sort of place this is and roughly where it is, and then then they will find down. Okay, so for the purposes of adventuring, we can make it like this without going outside anything that anybody has previously said. All right, so filling it, filling in the in the gaps in the background, and um, telling you what happened at the same time as the many remarkable things 
Didn't uh, Ken Height do a thing called Tour de Lovecraft? He um, did. Which, uh, that, that, uh, was, not, that was mostly a literature review, wasn't it? I think it could be. Could be. Anyway, uh, uh, so is the, it done the, well? It's been going since about 2013, I think the first one came out. Are uh, we still going? Yes. Uh, well, in, in theory, it's one of those. It was originally going to be twice a year. It's turned out being more like one in two years. But Brett's, Brett and Sentinel Hill Press are still in existence. And I have no reason to suppose that he will not produce future volumes as time and resources allow. Yeah. Um, you don't. What you don't get, if you don't already have the Chaosium books, is the core information. I mean, the Arkham thing has a map of Arkham, but it does not tell you the key Arkham locations that are in that book, because you already have that book. That okay, said, a reasonable assumption to the, at this degree of obsessiveness, yes. That said, I mean, it's Arkham. It's not hard to get things more or less right for that. Hmm. Um, and what you have here not, is not just background information, I should say. Um, there is some background information. There are some locations. There are encounters, which are basically a weird thing happens. Here are two or three things that it might be, depending on how the GM feels. And then full-length scenarios with plots and complications and multiple locations and so on. And it, it's just generally very good stuff. I noticed, I took a brief glimpse at the first issue and noticed the detail of handout preparation is quite remarkable. Mm. And, and, and Many of those done well by done. Dean Engelhart, now of uh, Cthulhu Eternal. Right. I, I sometimes wish I could do handouts like that, but I don't. So, <laughs> uh, so this is all. It's all I can do is to provide them my brilliant words. The, the design is just not in me. Uh, five volumes. The first one is the general concept, I think, rather than a specific theme. Uh, that talks particularly about the high roads and uh, basically how you get from place to place. Uh, volume one, Arkham. Volume two, Innsmouth. Volume 3, Witches and Witchcraft, and Volume 4, Kingsport Dreaming. Well, hmm. Yes, if I were if if I were somebody planning to run Call of Cthulhu in New England, I'd want this. I, th- hmm. I, I seriously think I would. I'm I not, think, so I won't. I think there, there is a feeling among some Call of Cthulhu old hands that as the setting and system have spread you know it's it's you know the 1980s the 1890s um overseas locations of for that matter other parts of the US that that the core original 1920s new england has kind of got diluted and all lost and the this is to some extent a reaction to that i think it's saying well you know there is more to be said about these places mm-hmm. they they have not been worn smooth from you know one collection of scenarios or whatever, so and with and with it being based off the official Chaosium uh, account of the area, you're not at least for for a, for a, a generation or so you've you've got stability in the background myth. Yeah. Also, uh, in terms of rules, these are mostly written for original first to sixth edition Gulukthulu rules, though there are seventh edition sub, uh, upgrade conversion notes. Yeah. You, and frankly, with the combination of those two, you can probably run it with pretty much any Lovecraftian system you like. Yeah, I I, I think I rather like the uh, seventh edition, though. Uh, 
I, there may be people uh, putting together voodoo dolls uh, from up for that statement. Well, let, let's be fair. You're not a big fan of Lovecraftian gaming in the first place, for the most part. So, mm, by and large, by and large, uh, no. I I appreciate it for what it is, but um, I don't want to stay, sustain despair for that, the length of time of a campaign. Oh, don't worry. You you are crunchy and taste of ketchup. Yeah, yeah, I, I, at least I can, I can, I've been reading, um, um, an account of Nietzsche's, uh, idea of value. And I, and that makes me think, you know, at least, at least I, I'm a, I am a suitable snack for somebody. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't get your hopes up. Yeah, well, something's going to eat me eventually, unless everything gets burned up. In any case, on with the show. Not to get too self-pitying about things, but I've recently brought to an end two games, two campaigns of Traveller using the Mongoose uh, rule set. And I wanted to touch upon the good and the bad. And especially, I think I ought to mention up front, that one of the campaigns died the death when I just couldn't face it any longer. Entirely my fault. I, I think my players would have put up with me doing it for a little while longer, but I could not no longer see myself pushing it to the end. I will... Well, you know, unless you are getting paid for GMing, this is basically a thing that we do for fun. <sighs> I, I would argue that simply getting paid for it should not mean you put up with it not being fun anyway. Well, that's true. You're not going to convey the joy and happiness of role-playing to your players if... Um, if you're thinking, oh my God, why did they ever sign up for this? Mm. Uh, the two, they were both, the both campaigns were based on Mongoose published adventures. And I therefore ought to, at this moment in time, warn you that if uh, you're about to or are currently running through um, the uh, Islands in the Rifts, uh, which is uh, a, a campaign set in the Great Rift, or Secrets of the Ancients, then you probably want to log off now and put this into the archive until um, uh, until the, the game is over. Secrets of the Ancients, let's talk about the one I failed at first. So th this was a campaign back in the old days. It, it, it's not the it completely de novo that Island in the Rift is. No, it's... Um, well, an back in the old least. days, there was a small booklet which was the climax of a Lucy Link series of adventures which hinted at the background of the ancients, which are what well, I think is technically called a precursor race, the precursor race mm. in the Traveller universe. And it was complained about at the time that it was very railroady and very lacking in... A character, player character agency. And Mongoose have given it a brand new version, which is not a small book, it's a bloody thick, great book, and expanded each individual stage of the, uh, of the adventure and created a lot of support material. I didn't... Hmm, I didn't think that... 
what they provided, the changes they made, entirely solved the problems. It was still very, very railroady. Um, you and the, the only bit I remember place... without major spoilers is that there is a specific climactic encounter towards or yeah. at the end, and you pretty the... much have to go, have to go there. Well, this this is they've they've elaborated, made more detailed, and in many ways more interesting the stages of how you get to that climactic adventure and the, what you meet at the end of the adventure has been modified as well. I think it does come fairly close to getting some Lovecraftian sense of the horror of having a more powerful and more ancient race interfering with your affairs and being keeping an eye on you and being behind things that happen. It comes close to bringing that very well realised to the Traveling universe, and I'm so, so an element of lowercase p paranoia, um, the sort of thing one might find in GURPS Illuminati, combined yep. with we thought that we knew these guys had existed, but we thought they were all long dead, and it seems that uh, either they or somebody who thinks a lot like them is still out there. Yeah, um, the the problems I ha- I'm praising this because it is really good, and I did allow myself to be persuaded to start it which was a case of me having eyes bigger than my belly, to be perfectly honest. Um, because I find it, found it collapsing. I may have made rods for my own back, though. The first thing is that um, because of the dynamics of my player group, because of some things that had to be in the um, scenario and some things I wanted to be in the scenario, I dumped pre-generated characters on my players. And because I wanted characters who would be surprised and shocked and feel fear, I didn't create monster hunters. I created ordinary Joes, well, fairly ordinary Joes. One of them was an imperial noble with his own yacht, um, who who were finding themselves tied up in this thing. And at almost any stage, the sensible thing to have done would be to say, Blow this. Let's ju- let's just go somewhere else. And I had to keep forcing the pace and forcing the pace and giving them reasons to go on and continue to be involved with it. And at one point, have them captured by imperial authorities, who said, "You will go on with this. You will be our agents in investigating this." Which was a a bit of railroading that I I thought I'd grown out of. But if I was going to continue things, it had to be. And that's my first first complaint. There should have been a set of pre-generated characters in there, specifically designed and motivated to to want to take part in this load of... in in this fascinating um, uh, hunt for the truth behind everything. But at the same time, uh, not... But not knowing a whole lot about it, yeah. Um, and well, that is the that was the dynamic I find myself uh, troubling troubled with because I wanted them to be frightened. I wanted them to be um, astounded by the things that they they saw. And some of it, some of the what made it difficult was my my players' cynicism because they've been gaming with me for a long time <laughs> and they know me too well. Um, 
and uh, the other was that they didn't have this 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 scenario calls out for a strong sense of the reality that the uh, that the, the that the third imperium is is part of or what's actually real so that you can be interested and horrified when you discover that things are different mm. and it was so well, one way to do that is to play with old traveler hands yes um and some of them were old traveler hands but i'm not sure how much traveler was real in there imagine pardon me how much the third imperium was real in their imaginations and uh, that 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 was a problem and after the fact that i had they were supposed to be chased towards the climax by um what's what's the name of the chap in the miserable the 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 policeman who who chases him it'll come to me no or i'll put it in the show notes the uh, they, they there was they Javert? were being ch- sorry Javert? that probably sounds right um, the, they were being chased by an imperial agent who was who, who wanted to send, send them as a probe into the universe to discover what he had feared for for a long time about the involvements of the ancients in the imperial's affairs. And as I say, I they they chose to let themselves get captured. At which point, I had to turn. To, to, to him saying, right, you are now my official cat's paws. And then when he sent them on the first mission, uh, second mission actually, they got through the first stage, uh, when they had an opportunity to either escape or surrender to another horrifying thing that was probably following them, which they really should have been terrified by, they chose to surrender. And that was a mistake and that... That would have meant raising them virtually from the dead uh, in order to carry on with the campaign. And though I had a method to do it, I balked at it. I, I looked ahead at all the, the, the material that was being produced for the next two stages, the biggest surprises of the campaign, and I just couldn't find it in my heart to do it. Um, it... Perhaps it's because my most enjoyable campaigns have been an exploration of stuff we're making up as we go along. And I just found all of the knowledge and all of the complexity, which my players, I think, did not really understand and did not really enjoy, um, that I that, that I felt the impression of it and I gave up. This is a, a fault in me. I'm perfectly willing to specify, and I'm perfectly willing to say that that this is a good campaign for those whose temperaments and interests, not just the GMs, but also the players, runs with it. The way I tend to look at this kind of thing is the gestalt of GM plus campaign and possibly plus players as well does not work, even though there may be nothing wrong with any of them individually. Yeah, um, we we reach the stage if we if we if we have long term um, regular players that we know know each other so well. Um, 
We, we've certainly <laughs> talked before about the standard style of campaign that we tend to run. Hmm. And this, uh, and this didn't, this didn't go well. I, I don't know if there is a solution for that basic problem that you want people who are capable and interested in going on and facing the unknown and finding out what's really going on here. But you also want people at the same time who are, um, new to the surprise, if not to the world in which it's set, and are going to be uh, saying, oh, hang on, that's odd. You want them to be able to say, hang on, that's odd. Our current, um, just to divert for a moment, our, uh, the current game you're running for me and the, uh, and the Sunday, Sunday afternoon group um, is, is a horror game, and we're starting out with characters who may know a little bit of the Wibbly stuff, but um, aren't fully knee-deep in the, in the strangeness that is behind the world. So there, it may be an artefact of the system, which is Cthulhu Awakens, um, but there, there we start with characters who are both competent and um, innocent, in a way. Some more than others, but yeah... I haven't played the New Secrets campaign. Um, I've, I've skimmed little bits of it. Mm. The impression I get is if, if you came to me and told me to generate a PC for this, knowing not very much about it, I think the attitude I would be going for is, you know, I, I, I've got the bug about learning stuff about the ancients. I know a little bit. You know, yes, ha- half uh, a point more than the standard background information that everybody knows. And I want to learn more, because that, that would yeah. carry me over the rough spots. Yeah. I've got to say that Traveller is not great for finding for providing core um, for providing core uh, character motivations, mm. or for defining characters in terms of motivation. It co- defines them in terms of past history and of incidents on the way to the start of their life as a freelance traveller. But it doesn't... Here is how the universe messed you about. Yeah. But it doesn't uh, dictate your reaction to that, uh, to that messing about. And it doesn't provide any mechanical bonuses or means of accounting for your um, state of mind and how it affects you in the game. Well, this, this I think, is where, where we should mention Mongoose Traveller in general. Okay. Because, because f- to me, there is a thing about it which is both quite good and quite bad, and that is that it feels very re- reminiscent of classic Three Little Black Books Traveller. It it feels to me like yeah. someone's house rules for a Traveller campaign that they've been running for years, and they've been you know, streamlining a bit here and removing a table there and making stuff make a bit more sense. So that that's good because it is recognisably a traveller. I know someone who's not happy with GURPS traveller simply because it is GURPS, and to him that makes it feel more like GURPS than like traveller. Yeah, fair enough. Well, um, but you can't help people's associations. You still have the life path character generation, which is one of the distinctive things about it. Yeah, and it's an improved life path uh, character Though, generation. As we saw, it can still screw you over. Um, on the other hand, it, it is that 1977... I think, whenever it was yeah. first published game. It it doesn't really talk about personalities at all. No. 
you have an intelligence and an education stat, and and you have skills that are based on them, but there is nothing to say that you know you you are short tempered or honourable or any of, any of those GURPS disadvantages. Yeah, and which gives, from the point of view of character uh, character defining and role playing and and chewing the scenery, um, is the is 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 just totally lacking. Uh, I, I think, I mean, to be fair, what, what an old school player would say is that that leaves you free to make it up yourself, and this is certainly true. And certainly, you, we did in the second of the campaigns that uh, I was going to talk about. Hmm. Um, I, this... I, I like it to interact with the mechanics as well. You know, it, it's not just I'm the short-tempered guy. It's I'm the short-tempered guy, and when I'm in this sort of situation, I make a self-control roll, or I'm going to go off at somebody. I'm, I'm which the is, which guy. is the, the, one of the core things I like about GURPS. I'm the I'm the careful guy, and when I'm in this sort of situation. I always remember to check that my gun is loaded. Maybe I'm a bit slower, but yeah, yeah. Um, the, right. Uh, the other thing that's that there that, that, that are nuggets of the assumptions and the um, reality of the 1970s hard science fiction conservative politics um, feel. Of uh, of original traveller, starting with medical debt. Uh, st- they added medical debt mm-hmm. for this edition, which I feel was you know just adding insult to injury. Um, you've got the draft. What do you need medical debt for? <laughs> that 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 the fact that in in the, in the far future of thousands of year, years hence, people are still being subject to the draft. Um, so it says it's a lot not about. as though the Imperium is actively at war. Well, it's not as though the Imperium, the bits of the, the Imperium that are at war, can communicate that effectively with the rest of it. But maybe you know, <laughs> maybe they, 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 as as the nineteenth century powers uh, in Europe did, they just regard having some reservists, people who have been through the mill and are now in the reserve, having those at hand. Is a is a is a sensible precaution. Okay. What what that suggests se- to me is they're expecting yeah. to have a mass mobilisation war at some point, and therefore they want a whole bunch of people who've been through basic training already, and can be hauled back in. Yeah. Well, I, well, I think it, what it says is that um, at the borders, there are a number of um, ongoing disputes about territory, and uh, yeah, and the borders need. need uh, Need to have the draft, but I'm not quite sure. And they have to have the draft further inside the, the territory of the empire to make it look fair. <laughs> okay, so let's let let us get to Islands in the Rift, which is the first of the adventures of set in the Great Rift, which is a region of space where the star systems are uh, less abundant. And it's between two of the great regions of the of the Imperium. And so, so you can get across it, but you need to make special arrangements, either a particularly beefy jump ship or carrying extra fuel or things of that sort. Yeah. So, uh, so mostly people don't. Mostly people don't. It's off the the regular trade routes, though there is now contact with with the Empire. The um, 
uh, the setting of the these of the, this this um, uh, campaign is a group of two subsectors called the Isles, which were settled by a slower than light um, expedition from Earth and are full of uh, European, English, German, and French, particularly place names and people, and. Um, which was re- which was discovered by the Third Imperium uh, a couple of hundred years ago in their t- in their time, I think, and uh, the Third Imperium uh, managed to sort of leak the um, secret of jump travel to the uh, to the locals in the process of getting their uh, malfunctioning ship repaired. And then, uh, when that they discovered, when the rest of the Imperium discovered that had happened, the scouts came in and went, "Tut tut! This is this is this is violating uh, the Prime Directive that we do not have," and decided to take an interest in ensuring that there were going to be uh, there's going to was going to be an equal access uh, to jump drive technology, which prevented to prevent the emergence of a, a miniature empire before it. Um, got too big so instead as far as i could see we've got about two and a half miniature empires but since, yeah, since they're fighting that. each other that's probably just fine with the imperium well i think they regard that as the natural process of history and um also also keep, keeping the locals busy until such time as the imperium decides uh, they have enough uh, jump six trade ships to actually get into the area hmm. um but at the start of the campaign um, a group of the traditional group of ragged, ragged, raggedy arsts and diverse uh, adventurers are asked to do a job for the for Imperial Navy intelligence, and they they do have to be asked to do the job because for the same reasons that keep this thing places a backwater of local politics, um, this is not a place that PCs are going to end up. You you need some way of getting across that rift, and if your ship can do that. That makes it less competitive for everything else because it's dedicated, you know, either the bigger jump drive or the or the bigger fuel tanks. Yeah, to, the, to the, Imperium, the Imperium has a scout communication service route across the across the rift through the Isles and out to the uh, to the uh, other side of the Isles and more Imperial territory. So. Uh, they have the lightest of interests, but in the setup, Imperial Naval Intelligence has dropped a spy ship into the Isles to keep an eye on things and see what local developments are going on, and has now lost it. And it's the duty of the player characters. Uh, well, it's the job of the player characters, very well uh, rewarded, if they if they manage to pull it off, um, to go in find the lost spy ship and bring it and its precious cargo of information back to Imperial Naval Intelligence. And, of course, there are people trying to stop them. I won't go much further, um, though I may include a few more spoilers. But let me say the first difference between this and the other campaign is that I decided to go with the Life Path Random Character Generation which worked better than just handing things out to people, um, but was resented, I think, by the, by some of the players. Well, because... yes, some people got screwed over by the dice more than others. The dice were very good to me. So, All right, and... you, 
you ended up being a retired uh, marine colonel who's been appointed a barony but isn't popping around there just yet. And and who had started as gutter scum, which gave me a reason for him to be loyal to the imperial system because it has been good to him. Yeah. Um, the the other chap um, turned up. Uh, I, I made a lot of fairly random choices, even when I had a choice. Um, he turned up having been basically local trading A to B to A to B to A to B, and he'd got very bored with this, and he was looking for a bit of excitement, which he got. <laughs> Yeah, this this is uh, this was a feature that was forced on me by the nature of the campaign. I decided players were going to have two characters. Some of the everybody had a I, everybody had a preferred character. Uh, you managed to br- uh, bring a certain amount of defining character to both of yours, um, and, but everybody had a preferred character and um, and a preferred sort of thing they would be, want to be doing in the campaign. I tried to. Um, I try. I try to make sure there was there were opportunities for both characters and opportunities for everybody to uh, to get involved in every adventure. Well, the the great writer Pat Reedy has pointed out that there is an essential problem with a multiple viewpoint story, and she's talking about linear fiction, which is that whenever you switch from one viewpoint to the other, you are at risk of irking the reader who who is involved with that story. They they want to see what happens next, and now you're saying, go away, we're going to talk about something else now. Oh, come on. Well, in role-playing games... Uh, it, it's the... possible to get this right, but it's really hard to make story, t- the stories equally well, appealing. Yeah. Um, all right. I did sometimes jump in the middle of... Uh scenarios and that's well for us for us it's more potentially at least i i've got these characters one of them is more fun than the other so that's the one i want to play i i I got quite lucky on that um and here we talk talk about the mongoose traveler mechanics a bit again because while while uh, rafe my main character is obviously fun because you know he gung-ho marine yeah, we'll, we'll leap feet feet first into practically anything. Again, I think because you know, yeah. motivation is always a thing. So, um, but the the other Harry, the the uh, ex trader, had the trading skills, and really and, appreciated. And one one of the traveller system's real betrayals of how old it is is that it has these mini games in it. I mean, most role-playing systems have the mini-game of personal combat. When I say a mini-game, I, I say I'm talking essentially that there are some somewhat specialised rules which it is possible for a, a player to learn to be good at, separately from yep. how competent their character is. This is, this is true in GURPS. You know, building a GURPS character is a mini-game. You, running a GURPS character in combat is a mini-game as well, because the, the, the system will give you lots of choices, and some of them are really stupid. Well, the, <laughs> but the, in, in, the, in this case, the trade system. Uh, Traveller has yeah. always had a trade system right back to the beginning. Um, the Mongoose Traveller one, I don't think, is especially more complex than previous iterations, but it does involve an awful lot of die-rolling every time you come to a new planet, so I ended up writing uh, a program to do that. Yeah. And actually, that's... Uh, that's something that you, you would you would think. GTW used the Traveller brand to create literal uh, mini games, box games that were set in the same universe, but which either depicted um, 
part of the of the, the a, a, a challenge to to be undertaken, or um, or just a background campaign. There were games like the Fifth Frontier War and which is Invasion a classic Earth. war game, which is a thing that GTW also produced. Which also produced uh, Invasion and Earth. And I they played had quite a bit of war games like Striker and um, like Stri- Striker, which I think was the miniatures um, game out of uh, out of what was it called? Zanti High Lightning. Uh, made, made uh, not not quite. Striker was was the vehicle level game, so you know you you it it had both a design system and a combat system. But it was basically you 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 can build your tanks or whatever, yeah, and then, then, and, yeah, then and, throw and, a and tank like, platoon against another tank platoon. As Anti High Lightning was more of a um, miniature scale uh, individual humans in a starship there, deck plan. Yeah, was there a was there a separate uh, combat game? There probably was, but uh, <laughs> but this was something that 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 uh, GTW not only made a uh, um, a profit, but also gave a lot of pre- pleasure to with at, um, and and I think to say something is a mini game isn't, in my estimation, uh, to say bad thing, things about. It. Oh, I'm I'm not saying this is of itself a bad thing, but it is it is a distinctive characteristic of older RPGs. Hmm. Um, because what your more modern game tries to do is put everything through the same set of mechanics. So a a, a modern RPG that had a trade system would say, okay, uh, ro- roll your broker or whatever to see how good a deal you're getting, rather than having a great big table of these are the things that might be available and here are the modifiers for selling them on this sort of world or that sort of world. Yeah, but the fact that you can make that sort of distinction makes the world real to you. Hmm. Makes makes it matter whether you go by route A or route B. Large parts of the campaign um, that we ran um, was taken up with deciding the best way to get home after um, after looking uh, after retrieving the the, the ship and uh, and which which world looks friendly, which world looks dangerous, which world will turn us a profit on the way home. Mm. And that made the world both real and interesting to you, and it gave me. I mean, I had various sorts of um, difficulty I could put in your path, and uh, and that decided the world you are going to uh, decided the 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 ones that I would choose. I will say that the the published campaign. Is a bit light on detail about the middle section. Um, the beginning and the end are fairly well realised, but perhaps because you could go so many ways, it's light on the middle section. And I found it had a problem. It's very easy to bring to a halt the the voyage of a starship from place to place, especially if they ha- if it has to land to refuel and repair. And once you're down on the ground, you're a sitting duck. And too many of the scenarios they provided were too instantly um, uh, dropping you right in the deep, deep end with nothing except violence, which is another bad idea when, you, when you're in somebody's territory. Some of us were more violent specialists than others, but yeah, we, yeah. we were trying not uh, to do that. Yeah, although you managed a bit of... Um, you managed intermittent, intermittent moments... Um, 
uh, of of kidnapping people, for example. The, yeah, but but uh, but you had to constantly dance around the local authorities, and it co- it could have crashed the campaign at any time. So it took careful, uh, it took careful um, setting up and showing you the ways out. I think. The the classic traveller, free trader, and allied campaign, and and this is essentially an implementation of that a lot of the time, though yep. we, we have an overall goal we're trying to get to, is essentially a planet of the week story. You know, occasionally you'll have an episode that takes place aboard the ship, but most of the time what happens on the ship is pretty straightforward and, you know, we, the, the, the curtain goes up. When you are on the planet, you, you're in the process of selling your cargo, and then some, something complicating happens, and then that is your story of the week. Yeah. Um, the problem for this, for me, and, and this is back to motivations again, is that there are complications that are fun for the players, but not for the characters, and vice versa. Mm, so, well... In terms of interesting things happening, obviously, if we got involved with local complications, you know, that would cause complication, and then we could be presented with problems and think our way out of them and so on. But I think the players, and to a large extent the characters, were, especially the characters, were, were averse to getting involved because we have this task to do. We, we ha- we're, our basic job is get the ship back. We have, to, our, we have this cover identity as traders... Because that, you know, we're trying to look like yeah. traders. We're trying to make at least a nominal profit. But what we're actually trying to do is minimal complications. Move on as quickly as possible. Yeah, we're and we're already might... being paid quite a lot when we get home. So uh, yeah, you're not going to get involved in any any side jobs that you actually don't have to. My job was to. Complicate your lives with stuff that was in, in, endemic to the planets mm. that you, you met along the way. There, there's a there, uh, there's New Home, which has uh, I think it was New Home, which ha- had a, a a civil service bureaucracy or something like that, which meant that uh, the filling in of forms and the fighting of faction fights was intrinsic to the culture, and you got tangled up in that. Mm. But there were also the people who had wrecked the ship in the first place were chasing you. And I never... I I think I was too obscure and obfuscating or just didn't tell you stuff enough because uh, Dr. Bob was still unclear at the end about who had been chasing you. I did think they came over as quite faceless. I mean, this this is sensible in 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 universe terms because you know they they are a professional intelligence agency. They're not going to have the same guy turning up every time. They're going to send different agents to, after us in different places. Yeah, uh, and you uh, mostly only saw them from a distance, try, trying to use local cat's paws to uh, mm. to drop you. Uh, drop you right in, in it, but and at the same they, time, that that meant we didn't really. I, I at least didn't get a feel of personal involvement, and th- this I think is why you you have the classic, you know, cackling boss who who um, even in cutaways becomes visible, and he he is the face of the guys who are trying to do you dirt, and, th- well, and that cackling, that lowers it to a personal level, which is perhaps easier to get an emotional grasp on. Yeah, but the way this is written is that there is. Um, there are interstellar um, operatives uh, somewhere who have uh, taken a dislike to you lot 
and want to stop you doing what you want to do. Um, but their bosses are a long way away, and you get and you get face to face with the local minions, who um, have just been given hurried instructions to stop that ship, no matter what. And that that leads to um, you never actually get anybody who is going to go. You you ha- did capture a fairly important um, a member of one of the conspiracies, but uh, you I, I can't tell whether he was. You were sensible enough to freeze him and put him in 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 the uh, in cold sleep to be interviewed by your bosses when you got back to headquarters. You could have found out more from him, but torturing him or let us say um, enhanced interrogationing him. I, d- I don't think any of us had the relevant skills to be a competent interrogator. I can't remember no. what the system calls it, but you know whether it's actual interrogation or just read somebody and work out whether they're lying. Um, we 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 didn't have that capability. Yeah. All right. Well. So yeah, you know, he could have said stuff, and then we'd have had no idea whether to believe it. <laughs> but that's also true. Uh, that talking about the system, one of the complaints that kept coming up um, was that it does not provide enough detail in the skills. Um, that too many skills have been clumped together, um, and it becomes. Flavorless, irritating, or just the fact that you didn't have what you needed and you couldn't get. Well, I'd say that that argues the other way around. It's it's that there are too many skills that are separate things. So you know, I, I've I've specialised in engineering of this sort. Now I need engineering of that sort, uh, and all I have is a plus zero, which is better than unskilled, but it's still not great. Yeah, um, and well, that traveller is notoriously. Um, Unsympathetic to character advancement. Yeah, I mean, e- uh, e- even the um, what was it, a thousand and one characters, one of the original books, which which yeah. is basically, I strongly suspect, uh, done done by computer. It, it's a bunch of characters who have just come out of character generation, in effect, yeah. in, in compressed stat format. And you know, this is a system that will quite happily say, right, well, you know, you're 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 forty years old. Your skill is pistol one. Go to it. Have fun. Yeah. Well, I think the new the new uh, version does actually um, sort of require um, more skills than that. At least at least one per um, per uh, term, uh, unless you uh, yeah, but you can get chucked out after one term. Yeah, and you can find <laughs> yourself and you can find yourself chucked out of the thing you've been you've been wanting to. To do all your life, and as one of our player characters did, and uh, thrown into a criminal enterprise for which you are not temperamentally really suited. One thing I uh, should say is that when it came to the climax, and this is definitely a spoiler, um, I I think we faced um, an unusual event which I hadn't anticipated. I really should have, as I've been GMing for long enough. Um, and which I don't think the writers of the scenario even thought about. This is a remnant of first edition Traveller, or early editions of Traveller. At the final juncture, you were faced by a hostile ship which was spinning off, which was launching um, small craft fighters towards you. Uh, which Minigame. 
blow you out of the sky or capture you. One of the two, either one would be acceptable. Yes, so that's that's another thing. Space combat is a minigame that you can be, personally as a player, skilled in or not. Yes, I was looking forward to it. I'd read the rules. (laughs) I thought I could make it entertaining for you Uh, and for me. Um, And perhaps I leaned a little hard on the describing the growing sense of danger you should have felt. Oh, we did feel it. Yeah, which is what led you to decide uh, something that no early player of the game would have done under the old system. You decided to risk jumping inside the jump limit. For those of you for whom this is arcana, basically the it's dangerous with the technology that Traveller uses to jump too close to a planet. You have to um, get to a certain limit beyond the planet's a gravitational pull before you jump into into jump space and head off to the nexus. I will mention that Mongoose Traveller has not only more detailed rules for just how dangerous that is, but they are somewhat less dangerous than in classic Trav. That is what the point I was going to make. I hadn't thought through the possibility that you might do that, and you went and did it, and... Montrose's Toast. Sorry? Montrose's Toast. He either fears his fate too much or his desserts are small. He dares not put it to the touch to win or lose it all. For some reason I went to French toast. Our our feeling, or at least the the feelings of my characters, were that we we are competent enough at ship handling. Uh, We don't have a lot in the way of weapons. We don't have sufficient gunners to operate all the weapons we have. These these guys are actual fighters. I mean, they they may blow up easily when you, when you hit them, but they are they are agile. They are well armed. Essentially, we 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 have a a military grade force coming up against this slightly better than civilian grade ship, and this is not going to end well. Particularly when we realised that we had absolutely no control over the range because they had way more acceleration than us. So so there, there was a range at which they could simply sit and be out of range of our weapons and and pick us off when as they felt like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I felt, I, I still feel that that would have been the less than ideal, um, the less than, than ideal um, tactic for them. Close to uh, close, so they they no longer have minuses to their attack rolls, and and they too felt that um, uh, that Montrose's toast might have been appro- appropriate. And we're going to close and do their duty. They were, they were mercenary space pilots, and uh, and willing to uh, risk for bonuses. I, but, I think the closest thing we had to a ship combat specialist was Rafe, who, whose idea of ship combat is jump aboard and murder people. Yeah, he 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 was a marine. He had gunner skill. Mm. The point is that I that looking back on it, I realised that. Uh, one role which wasn't even that tricky, um, uh, with a with a chance of of, of death with extra with, with extra rating of agonising death, um, uh, um, is uh, is is better than uh, dozens of roles. Uh, any any one of the any one of the attacks. Which uh, which were being fired at you one around for several rounds from several ships 
um, any one of any one of those might might have uh, blown out a vital system and let you dead in space or just dead. Mm. And I I realised at the end that one roll of the dice is better than dozens of rolls of the dice. Particularly, we, we it helped that we had time to take a bit of extra time over it. Having you know, having worked out the acceleration vectors and all the rest of it, you know, if if I if I take this extra time to do the jump calculation slowly and carefully, then we will be that much closer to where it's safe to jump, and the bullfight will be less bad as well. And they won't yet have closed with us. <laughs> I I think I met, I made a, a, a in my shock at uh, what you did. I fa- <laughs> I found um, I I let I let you get away with uh, missing around where I should actually have had you in range and, and given you a broadside. The two shots out of the leading two uh, fighters. But in the end, it turned out fun. And in the end, as a whole campaign, I'm not. I'm not displeased with it looking back on it though I, I felt you know neurosis and worry all the way through I enjoyed it yeah uh, let, let, uh, let, us, let us put everything else we've said in that context I had a good time I think the other players did too yeah and I think despite the irritation at the system the basic structure of the campaign is better but I gotta say reading through Mongoose's stuff and through other stuff for Traveller it turns deadly, not just individual character deadly, but um, group and mission deadly very quickly, I think, if you're not careful about how you manage things. Space is dangerous at the best of times, and uh, strange new worlds uh, can be strange and dangerous. So, but um, Anything you don't yeah, understand will kill you. There seems, there seems you. to be an assumption that risking all is... is exciting and fun and something you ought to be doing especially if your character will never never progress beyond his current competency i wonder whether some of that is as you say the the context in which the original game was written and you know we're, we're adventurers we will do stupidly dangerous things because that's what adventurers do yeah there's an idea that i've been noodling with for a while um which is actually not wildly far from this. I, I was paying attention to how it differed as we went along. And th- this is what I call the passage crew game. So the, the basic idea is there is a spaceship at A, which is of value to somebody at B. They have bought it and then they want somebody to fetch it for them. And so, so the local agency at A says, OK, you, you are a bunch of ne'er-do-wells. Sign here for this, this huge liability yeah. bond if you don't actually turn up. Um, and then take this spaceship to B. Um, here is a reasonably generous uh, time in which we want you to do it, uh, but any money you make on the way you can keep. Mm. That then gives the PCs a, at least a bit of incentive to get involved in local stuff, but at the same time to keep moving rather than finding the most profitable local trade route and just hammering on it back and forth. Yeah, the 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 trader game. It's it it, it it's theoretically a, a good way way to run a, ca- a traveler game, but it is it gets bogged down in the in the detail in the minutiae of um, of keeping your ship flying of of being of doing Firefly or Serenity ship. I think. Mm, I think. I should say, uh, I, I can't remember the title of it. If, if I find it, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but somebody has actually published a system which is essentially a minimalist add-on 
to Traveller Trade Rules so that you can play that as a solo game. You know, start with a ship at at a particular spot, um, do your best to make money here, and here have some relatively low-resolution random encounters to add on to that. Um, That that in itself can be fun. Original Traveller, I I, I believe it was... uh, I don't know whether it's actually true, but it was notorious for a while that you couldn't make money on the trade system if you played it honestly, because the point of it was to drive PCs into getting involved in adventure. Yeah. Um, Um, For Mongoose, I I can say from personal experience that is not true. We barely did speculative trading, but we made a huge amount of money on um, scheduled cargo carrying. Do you think it would be enough to maintain a ship that's mortgaged? Oh, absolutely. Basically, you you had the ship for free and and could uh, indulge yourself. Um, despite the fact that uh, Dr. Bob wouldn't allow any non-frozen um, <laughs> passengers on board. I, I, not, not just Dr. Bob, I, I'm, I'm not going to argue with that. So. Uh, have we got a cost for this ship anywhere specified? Oh, it's, it's a base, it's a modified type R trader, subsidised trader. Yeah, which would cost a bit more because of the, the um, special sexy... Uh, Covert operations things, but let, let's ignore that for the moment. You don't want to say you didn't make much use of the covert operations things, no. So your subsidised merchant has a oh, what, how do you calculate mortgage costs in this? <laughs> God alone knows. Well, I I'm, never. I'm, ho- I'm hoping it's a nice easy fragment of uh, fraction of, of the uh, yeah uh, base purchase price over two forty. Okay, I can live with that. Uh, and therefore, uh, it would be 78 mega credits over 240. Okay, so roughly uh, 300,000 credits a month, which is probably more or less on a par with the amount of money we were making. The, the thing is, though, um, speculative trade would have got us less. I, I wasn't. I wasn't having Harry take on the scheduled freight because it was safer, though that would have been his his suggestion as well. But most of the places we went to, um, there was really no suggestion that our sale cost at the new one would be any any less than our purchase cost at this one. Any, well, any it more, is a back, It is a backwater, and um, populations are still low. Though these the tech levels are high due to the fact of them inheriting all that um, all that tech from the uh, slower than light ships and preserving it pretty well, there hasn't there was never uh, a uh, um, uh, a dark age in the uh, in in the Isles. There was no hmm. um, inter empire interregnum uh, and degeneration back towards lower tech. Such as happened with most of humanity, so it's a, in many ways, it's a little bit of um, a, a paradise in the uh, in the uh, traveller universe. So, here's a question: If you were going to run this sort of campaign again, would you do it with traveller? Well, I think I have said on on this very program. 
uh, that the thing I would really like to try is using this character generation system and then converting it into, into GURPS with advantages and disadvantages and things is essentially saying, all right, so you, you, you've got your, here is, here is your career history. And here are yeah. some suggestions about the skills you learned and so on. But now make that into a GURPS character at the same point value as everybody else has. Hmm. I would say that there's probably a market, if somebody wanted to do it, for creating a life path version of, the, of GURPS character generation. The and thing about that is it's awfully specific to a particular setting. Um, so you really need a well-established setting in the first place to make that worth doing at all. I could see it. I could see it being done. I, I think there's, there may even be something in one of the um, Dungeon Fantasy releases where, which approaches that. But uh, I, I feel, I, I still feel that there's a lot of uh, fun stuff in here. The mini games do um, do help help make that particular moment sing. Do help make. Um, and I say this as somebody who run the uh, personal combat system wrong for the entire campaign, but um, the, the, it, it, once you have a certain degree of system ma- mastery, then yes, it becomes interesting to work out what happens um, between you and the attacking starship, even mm. though it is horribly dangerous. And horribly I, I think that the the choice of what gets the mini games does show GDW's um what one, Marketing what one strategy? house preference. I mean they yeah. they they were a war game publisher before they were an RPG publisher. Um sure. and indeed they published uh on guard for a while. Uh and I th- I think it is my word that's a lot of red kites outside my window. I wonder who's died. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry. Um yeah, I think they were comfortable with war games, and I think they were comfortable with players dropping to a hex grid war game, which is certainly a thing you could do in Classic Traveller. Um, the version I played most, space was one-dimensional in the core rules, yeah. and then you could get the Mayday add-on, which was another boxed game of space combat. And That, that, that was actually and, a very subtle game. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it did actual acceleration, uh, much in the manner of Triplanetary and various other games of the era, uh, in, in a wrong way, but that's a major diversion. Um, but bas- that that's a hex grid game. Yeah. Um, I, and- I sometimes miss sitting around a table and uh, moving things around on a hex grid. My memory of the era is that there really wasn't the modern distinction between RPG and board game and war game and it was considered entirely reasonable to say right we are playing an RPG and now we will effectively play a war game for a bit yeah with with the with the war game units in, informed by our characters stats and Nowadays, no, no, no and nobody is saying you know oh we're not playing traveler anymore we're playing mayday no this was all part of the same game nowadays um it tends to the big things like uh, battle Mass battles and um, and starship fights tend to be reduced to a set of numbers rather than a set of figures. Though there's been a return to form with the mass battle add-on for uh, Greg Stolz's reign, which I really must get to try one of these days. 
I will also mention in passing, because we have talked about it in a previous episode, uh, the space, space combat system in GURPS spaceships. Well, one of them, because I mean, this is GURPS. Uh, the, the, one <laughs> in the, the, the one in the first GURPS spaceships book uh, does the thing that the old Star Trek um, add-on boxed game did. Yes, there's another yeah. add-on box game of Starship Combat, uh, which is essentially, right, you, your player character is still your player character. You are the guy in this position on the bridge, and here are the things that you can do to try to affect the course of the combat. I uh, th- this is Andrew, this is the one we used in Wives and Sweethearts. I remember Andrew Rilston uh, talking about a group of his, this was back in the 80s, um, who played uh, Starship Battles, by setting out um, a room at their university as the uh, as the bridge of the Enterprise or whatever, with uh, this is where you sit, this is where you sit, that's where the dis- screen display is. I believe the cleaners were a bit puzzled about the way they left the room. Uh, though also these days, I, I think it's probably worth mentioning because this is one example of why this sort of game isn't a thing anymore for the most part. There is a computer game called, uh, I think, Artemis Starship Bridge Simulator, in which yeah. each of you has your own computer and and a station that you are personally controlling. For example, the captain has lots of information but cannot directly affect anything, so has to give orders to the other players and say, do this, do that. This is something played over the net. and Or, or at a LAN party. I, I, I've, I've never been to a LAN party. So. Uh, also, it tends to happen at larger conventions. Aircon had it. Uh, UK Games Expo has it. They, they, uh, uh, yeah, basically, it's about seven computers networked together, so it's easy enough for a an organisation to bring along and run, and then then they provide their own people to facilitate things. This is how I got banned, um, because it turns out that their system, their software, is not robust against the Kaufman retrograde, which I learned from Starfleet Battles. If we, if we could have a, a footnote about that, I think it would probably be for the best. <laughs> but, uh, all right, we have had one good and one less good. I, mean, I haven't brought along any of my players from my other game to talk about it. Uh, one good and one less good campaign. Um, I think I think the motto I'm taking home, uh, home from uh, from this one is... Never play anything that you can't digest before you start playing it. Um, I knew I could manage the individual bits of the Islands campaign, um, and it was easily digestible, but built, baked into the Ancients game was um, a lot of lore, a lot of plot, and a lot of railroading which um, at the end I found t- too hard to digest. Thinking I apologise to my re- players for being too optimistic. Uh, thinking of what little I remember of the original Ancients, it, it seemed to me, it was one of the later adventures published, it may even have been the last, I'm not sure, um, but by that time I think it was assumed that if you played Traveller you were very into Traveller, you you, and you, you knew the lore, yeah. you knew the world. Um the, part of the virtue of the age of the thing is that I, I suspect, as with RuneQuest, there have been endless discussions about the nature of the universe. There, there is, on the Traveller uh, wiki, uh, a page called something like IMTU for In My Traveller Universe, which are basically, here are the things that the classic game never quite defined as to whether they, exi- whether they exist or not. 
you are going to have to make decisions about these for your Traveller universe. Nothing official is ever going to contradict you. But you need to know because players are going to poke on these things. I think every game probably has the uh, uh, things that the original writers never thought through. Um, And it's probably not just games, but also movies and books and comics and what have you. Yeah, but by the nature of games... You, you you can't just say, shut up, don't look at that. You can't, yeah. you can't just uh, well, move the can, camera away. Can, yeah. And the and the people well, the people who are complaining with games, the people who are, who are complaining, are right in your face uh, <laughs> when, uh, when it happens. And they're not at their fridges going, hang on a moment. Mm, fair. Well, we hope all this wandering and meandering has been of interest to you. Please um, send us, uh, if you have them, the things that struck you about the games you've played, which weren't quite thought through, or you can tell us all about your uh, um, success at making the vessel run with less than forty-six parsecs. Oh, one one uh, thing I would like to mention, just on Mongoose Traveller oh, in general, um, I ended up producing several uh, rule summary handouts simply because it was an awful lot of work to parse out exactly what was meant to happen in a particular procedure. One of these was for character generation. Exactly when do you decide whether you're going to return for another term or try or leave at this point, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that's, that, that We were using the 2020 edition and that got eroded in the 2022. Um, but it basically... Yeah, Mongoose produced some very pretty books, but sometimes their editorial is not as on the ball as it might be, so... The the other thing was the combat system. As as you say, we had been doing it wrong, and so so I ended up doing a checklist on that. And here here are the different sorts of thing you can do, and the roles you need to do to do them. Mm. Uh, I do not feel that this is a thing that a published RPG should require me to do. But shrug, there it is. You do come along to a lot of games and say, "I can do this better," and you're probably mostly right. Also, to be fair, uh, off-topic for this podcast, but I've been spending a lot of time rewriting board games rules for reference at the table. So, you know, strip out the um, honeyed words and leave in the, okay, you do this, then you do that, then you do either of these two things. And that is your your turn. (laughs) And and I like that style of stripped bear. Just give me a damn checklist. (laughs) Uh, they're called players' aids, and sometimes they deserve the deserve the uh, mm. title. But anyway, I mean, I still like Mongoose Traveller. I'll probably run more of it at some point. Uh, I've, okay, I've been doing well, an occasional thing with the Watson Hall players. Go on. Yeah. Okay, let, uh, let us wrap here and say, send us stuff. You can send us stuff at... You can leave a comment on the website or email podcast at tekeli.ly. And in another month, we hope to be seeing you again. Take care of yourselves.